Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The following presentation is brought to you by HaHaJK.com. Hooray for Hollywood! Hooray for Hollywood! You're so misunderstood. Keep shining like you should. Hooray for Hollywood! Hey, this is Brett Gursky. Welcome to another edition of On the List. It is Thursday, October 18th, 2012. This is episode number nine. My guest in the studio today is a friend of mine who is a very talented musician named Chris Renee, who you all know from the first season of X Factor. Uh, Before we start the show, I just want to send a message to the family of a little boy named Ty Lewis Campbell. He's five years old. He just turned five this month. He lost his battle with brain cancer yesterday, and he just seemed like the sweetest little boy. I had been following his story because his mother, Cindy, has been writing a blog for the last few years all about him, and it was called Super Ty because he loves superheroes, uh, specifically Captain America. And actually, Chris Evans shouted him out today on Twitter. Um, But that blog, if you go to supertie.org, S-U-P-E-R-T-Y.org, you can learn Ty's story. And he was this brave little guy, like a superhero himself. So I didn't know him personally, but his parents were friends of friends of my sisters. And I was very touched by his story. And I think it's important that as many people hear his story as possible. Um, And I'm just thinking about them today. Um, And as I said, my guest today is Chris Renee, who's a singer and songwriter best known from X Factor. And he's here with me right now. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? It's so good. I know. Things yeah. are good, right? Life is beautiful. Um, yeah, tonight you are performing at the Roxy. Yes, On sir. Sunset Boulevard, which is directly across the street from us. That's r- right. Right now. Um, so I asked you to pop by during rehearsals and stuff to be a guest. So thank you for doing that. I'm glad I could be here. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, thank you. Um, so just to give everyone background on how we know each other, um, we've known each other about a year it was my birthday a year ago, November 4th, and I actually I had a party on the actual birth date, November 4th, 2011, yeah. right? Yeah. 2011. Um, mm-hmm. And you happened to be at Truesdale where my birthday party was. Yeah. And it was a great Gatsby theme, and you guys were in it, like, at the entrance, and the security guys stopped you, and I was like, no, 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 they're cool. I recognized you and um, Marcus Canty, yep. who was also on X Factor. And, you know, you got in the photo booth with everybody, and you got to meet everyone, and we stayed in touch after that. Yeah, that was rad. That was a fun night. Had you guys gone out that much in L.A.? No, that was, like, my first time going (laughs) to a club out in L.A. and seeing all all celebrities and stuff like that. That was a good night. Yeah, it was awesome. That was a good introduction. I actually didn't know if you guys were allowed to go out, because I know that, like, on other shows, they're not allowed to go out that much. Man, we do what we want. Yeah, X Factor, I guess. Yeah. A little more lenient with everybody. Um, So, just so everybody knows... uh, First season of X Factor was a year ago this time. You made the top three. Uh, your mentor was L.A. Reed, right? And oh, the other yeah. judges, but la- that last season were Simon Cowell, Paula Abdul, and Nicole Scherzinger. Mm-hmm. It's changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so talk about sort of the X Factor experience. Was there advice that L.A. Reed gave you that stuck with you? Like looking back a year later, um, what sort of, you know, what sort of did you take with you from that experience? I basically, I mean, I learned a lot just just about performing and being on stage and being able to interact with the crowd. I mean, that's one of the main things that I learned from being on the X Factor. It was, you know, there's like live cameras, you know, right. we're on live TV. And for me, this was all brand new because I was just, <clears throat> I don't know, my life before this was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Totally not like that. I mean, 
I always like to take pictures and videotape myself, like, and <clears throat> make videos. But this was a whole nother level. This was, uh, like I said, live TV. And I don't know, just being in front of <clears throat> all the celebrities and, and seeing how quick and fast-paced everything was. Yeah. It was a learning <laughs> lesson to, you know, just to be humble and just to remain the same person. And, and it's been a learning process to do that do you feel the like, whole thing. Do you feel like the same person you were a year ago? I feel a little different for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I, I I mean in a positive way. Right. Yeah, with more growth and and learning, you know, keeping that consciousness intact. Right. Well that's one of the things about X Factor too is the auditions are in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're thrown out there immediately in front of a live audience. A lot of the other shows there's no audience. The auditions are like in a room just with the judges. Right, right. But X Factor, it's like from day one, you've got a crowd. It's like, go, yeah. go, 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 go. Well, yeah. let's talk about your audition because you got a standing ovation, mm. correct? And yes, you got sir. four yeses from the four judges. Yeah. So it's like your first time out, you kind of hit it out of the park. It was insane, dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. Going out there, standing in front of, like I was peeking behind it thing I'm looking at Simon in LA and Paula and I'm like oh, oh my gosh <laughs> right there they are and I'm am I really here because like 70 days before that I was in rehab right just struggling with with my life and, and my issues and so like just being there was a dream come true yeah going out there you know it didn't matter what they said just as long as I got a chance to go and, and share my heart with the people you know so that, that was it was that the goal going in is just get the chance to perform yeah, dude. That was Whether it. you made it to the show or not. Heck yeah. I just wanted to go have fun out there and right. show them how much fun it is well, to do it. You did something kind of risky in the audition because a lot of people get up there and they sing a song that everybody's heard of. And yeah. like, look at like Susan Boyle in the UK. She sang a song from Les Miserables and it became this huge viral hit because it was okay. a familiar song. Okay. But when you went up there, you sang an original song yeah. called Young Homie, which right. now everybody knows. But at the time... Yeah. You know, how did you decide to do an original song versus a song that they would have been familiar with? Well, um, after I got out of rehab, uh, they they called me and, and one of the producers called me and was like, "So we want to have you on. We want to have you on the show because I had done pre rehearsals to see if I could even get to do the show." How does that work? Okay, yeah. What's the process? <laughs> the process is they're like, "We have rehearsal. Um, we have um, like a pre audition tryouts. We have tryouts." And it's four days, like 12 hours a day. You wait in like There was 10,000 people. I was in Los Angeles. You have to go through four different judges. Then if you make it that far. Four different judges, not the real judges. No, just A&R guys. Right. A&R industry people. Okay. And then so you sing for them. And I, I sang No Diggity. That was my song oh, to great, sing. Oh, great song. Right? So I sang that, and I made it all the way to the producers with the camera. <laughs> to videotape you and then show you to Simon. Wow. And then he he's like, yes or no. So, so he's even picking the bad people. Yeah. Oh, yeah very yeah. interesting. So I didn't know that. People think you just show up and go right on stage to the, no way. To the real people. No, man. It's a big process. And so they're like, we'll call you in a few months if uh, if we like you. And how did you even hear about the audition? Or how, um, like, why, why didn't you go for, like, American Idol or The Voice? What was it about X Factor? Um, <clears throat> I found out through my sister, Gina. Oh, yeah. and, and she was like, I got an email <laughs> that the show, Simon Cowell's new show called The X Factors is going to be in the U.S., and it's all ages. So guess what? We're both going. And I'm like... How old were you when you auditioned? Uh, 28. That was okay. last year, yeah. Is that too old for other shows? I've, I have no clue, but... I think American Idol might be like 30, right? Or 20. Is it? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I, I didn't know. I was... I Like a week before she got the email, I was like, yeah, I'm going on... American Idol. 
right. I'm going to go do one of the shows that I don't like because right. Right. I'm just going to give it a chance. Right. I'm like, I don't even watch these shows. I don't even do this. But I'm like, something in me was like, go do it. Go give it go give it a chance. But I feel like X Factor was the right move for you because, first of all, Simon Cowell had left American Idol by that point. Yeah. And he was at X Factor. And then L.A. Reid became your mentor. And for your music, L.A. Reid was kind of the perfect mentor for you. It's crazy. Yeah. God works in mysterious ways. Yes, he does. I agree. Yeah. But, so you were basically put in his group because of your age and gender. It was like, what was it, guys under 30? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was because someone had over, Nicole had over 30. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you had you were in the guys under 30 group, so it was just sort of, that's what L.A. Reid had. But he, for the kind of music that you do, I think it was kind of just worked out pretty perfectly it was, there. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. So you had, um, you have a very interesting story about where you were in your life at the time of the audition, or right before the audition, I should say. Right. So why don't you share a little bit about sort of what you had been through up until that audition. Oh, man. Uh, basically, for me, I mean, I'll, I'll tell a little little story. Um, I'm a party animal and like to have fun. So mm-hmm. at an early age, I just started drinking and smoking, right. getting into drugs, you know. And where was this? Where would you grow up? Santa Cruz, California. Right. So, you know, that was kind of like my solution to my life problems. If I got angry or something, that I could go smoke. Smoke a blunt with the homies and like oh, an go get drunk and escape. Right. Yeah. So that was my solution for a while, and it stopped working um, after I got into well, my third, fourth car crash. Oh, really? You know what I mean? And I mean, wake up call. It was this this car crash was a, a real crazy one because I don't know, bro. It was insane. I'm I'm actually writing a book right now about that you the should. whole process. Yeah. And I don't want to give it all away yeah, right now, but, that's fine. you know, it was pretty heavy, and <clears throat> I'm glad I didn't die, and that kind of woke me up. I was like, I, you know, you could have died, and, and I'm sure it's going to happen if you keep keep messing up like that. And is that when you went to rehab? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was it. Um, I actually went to the hospital, and from the hospital, I was like, man, I had been clean before, and I was like, there is there is a solution. Right. I forgot about it because I was just... Um, hypnotized by by you right, know. And, and so I realized, and you come you become dependent on it. I think it's what I I couldn't go a day without it for right, real. Exactly, a minute. <laughs> you, you kind of I, I would guess. I mean, I haven't experienced it myself, but that you it becomes your new reality. Oh, indeed. I I, I hated it, but I loved it. Right. So you were, it you were used to it. Yeah. yeah. So now, what were you doing? What was your job at this point? I was uh, hauling trash. I had my own truck, and I had uh, my number in the paper. And people would call oh, really? me. Yeah, people would call me and say, hey, uh, we need you to clean up this mess. Uh, how much is it going to cost? I'd be like, I'll come out there and look at it. Boom. And How'd you even come up with that as a job? Uh, my father-in-law, he's like, oh, we're going to get into the trash business. We're going to take over and just do this. And what was your reaction? You were just like, I was like, yeah, let's do this. As a, just a job for money? or Yeah. Because that wasn't what you wanted to be doing. No, I mean, <laughs> it was fun, but it wasn't my passion. Exactly. I don't you think it's anybody's I mean? passion. Yeah. No, I'm a little bit passionate about it still, <laughs> but not as much as music. Right. So, so now, how did, what's your music background? So at this point, when you go to the X Factor audition, I read somewhere that you were in a band. Yeah, I started, I mean, when I was 12. Oh, really? I started, basically the same time I started smoking weed was the time I started getting more into music. And, you know, that's what happened. I, I got my guitar. My yeah. brother had a drum set. My, and my best friend had a bass, and my mom's like, "You guys can 
jam in the laundry room. <laughs> we spray painted the laundry room and made it our jam room. Is the and the band was called Diversion? Is that yes. is that right? Diversion. It was just you and your brother? Me and my brother and my, my best friend next door neighbor, Tosh. And did you guys release any music? Oh yeah. We had we recorded demo tapes, um, on four tracks and, and eight tracks and stuff like that. We had like uh, six or seven tapes. And you've always been a songwriter too. Oh yeah. Because that's, I think, something that um, that I was so interested in. Like, watching you on the show before I knew you, I was rooting for you for a few reasons. Like, first, the kind of music it was, and the fact that you went up there and took a chance with an original song, but also your story, your backstory was just inspirational, which I think is a big deal on these reality shows. It's not just about the talent. It's not just about what somebody looks like. It's their story. Mm-hmm. And you want to see them go from, you know, just out of rehab, hauling trash you want to see them become the next big music star because you sort of have more of an emotional investment in it definitely so but i also i felt like i'm a writer and so i felt like your lyrics were just they had a message like a very positive message you know and i'm somebody who likes to spread positivity whenever i can but um thank you i mentioned young homie and one of the lyrics that i have here is that i've put on twitter before and stuff it says um if you want to build your love up, put your hate down. That's the only way to live, turning negatives to positives. Yes. Did you write that yes. after rehab? That was um, – When did the – tell me the sort of the backstory <clears throat> between, behind Young Homie. Well, that was, that was uh, later because I added – we added a, a verse to the song. Oh, okay. That, that was, wasn't in the audition? That was after – no, that was ah. after the uh, – after – The experience. Yeah, the factor. whole thing the third, after I got third place. Oh, cool. Yeah. So what? How did Young Homie sort of sort of evolve? Young Homie was just the. And I wanted to inspire myself, right? And I wanted to be inspired by myself. I wanted to like give a message of of positivity and hope, and 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 just you know inspire. And I'm like maybe, you know, I know if I do this and inspire myself, other people out there are, that are just like me, because you know we're all human, we're all brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. I'm like they're gonna feel this, right? They're gonna feel this because. Because I feel it, and that's why I just knew it was just so real um, that people were going to feel it. And when did it change from No Diggity as the audition song to Young Homie as the audition song? Oh, here we go, here we go. So they wanted me to come to X Factor, right? and they're like, well, what songs do you have? And I'm I'm like (laughs) trying to do cover songs, like, well, I was going to do Chris Brown, CeeLo, this, that. And then I told them, you know what? I'm actually not going to come this year. Um, I'm going to focus on my my sobriety and and just let you know my sister's gonna go um i'm not gonna go they're like why i'm like because i i don't want to do anyone else's song i want to do my original song and then they're like okay you can come but just they're like just come you can do your original song did you perform it for them or you saved it for the the they didn't get it no they didn't hear it until i did it right then on that audition that's really cool yeah and i'm amazed like that has like what it's 27 million views on there or something I'm like sure that right now. of the like, audition. Yeah, I was tripping out. Like, <laughs> people are definitely feeling that. So that's great. Yeah, and so um, actually, you you did it again during the season, and was it a remix with "Let It Be"? Yes, by the Beatles. Yes. How'd that come about? That was um, <clears throat> a DJ friend of mine did. A, he does remixes and and matches matches songs up. Yeah. And he's like, dude, I, it's the same freaking chords. Right. You got to do this. I'm like, okay, I told L.A. Reid. And, and, and they got the rights? And they did it, yeah. Because Beatles are, seem like they're hard to come by. Yeah, and yeah, and Bob Marley. We did oh, Bob yeah. So And there's a lot of like positive legends that I got to mix my my lyrics and songs with. Right. Yeah, so it was... 
Sure. Was the audition acoustic? Like, or was did you have music? I don't, I'm trying to remember. For the, uh, I, I made the music to it at my right. friend's studio. I was like, went up there for a half an hour. I had an original version that I did to a different beat, but I wasn't allowed to use that beat, so I had to remake it. Oh, interesting. Show. Yeah. Well, whatever happened, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, this is very good. Are you able to sing acoustically, or is that putting you on the spot? Who, me? Always. Like right now. Always. Like, could you do like a line of Young Homie, or is that? Always. Right now? Yeah, man. Let's see. I want to back up from the mic. I don't want to okay. it. Give peace to the war in the streets. Give peace to the evil that creeps. Yay. Uh, I just ride with my head to the sky. Live life like I'm never going to die. Yay. Uh. See many fighting and fussing over nothing. So much destruction. Looking at puppets combusting like nothing. Now listen, it takes education to change your reputation. From bad to good to even better. Now you're elevating. Yeah. I like it. Nice. If we had an audience, there would be applause. Woo! <laughs> um, that's really cool. Yeah. I See, you that. know, that's something I like about these competition shows is that people, ha- you have to really sing. It, you know, a lot of these superstars that are big names. They've never had. They've never been under the microscope that some of these contestants have been under. Mm-hmm. So they've never had to really sing. Real talk. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so you know you can't fake it. Like yeah. I've thought. Like I wonder how I would do on X Factor. I can't sing for anything, but I couldn't even fake, pretend to because right, they'd right. know right away. Right. You know what I always joke that my audition song would be. Do you know the song "If I Ever Fall in Love" by Shy? If I and if I I can't sing. I'm not gonna try. Yeah. yeah, I just joke. I'm like, if I ever auditioned yes. for a reality show, that would be my song, but yeah. I can't sing. Um, so then, also on the show, you did another original song. So now you're just taking chances left and right. Oh yeah. But uh, you, it was called "Where Do We Go From Here." Yep. And that was my favorite of your weekly performances. Thank you. Um, I think I knew you at that point. Was that December? Yep. So yeah. So I knew yep. you already. So I was already on the Chris Renee train, yeah. rooting for you to win. But um, I also wrote down lyrics from that song. These are those. Uh, I wonder if we look inside our hearts exactly what we'd find. Maybe we could take a lot of pain away, or maybe we could heal the world today. Or maybe you know something I don't. If you do, then tell me, where do we go from here? Yes. That's more inspirational stuff. Oh, man, that's the stuff right there. Is it weird to hear it back? Lovely. <laughs> you like it? That's right. what it's all about. Stevie Wonder, what? I just called right. to say stuff like that. Right. I love you. Like songs like that are the best. Like you know? a nice message. Anybody hears that, they're you know they're gonna feel that. You know you're having a bad day. Sometimes you don't want to hear that stuff. Sometimes right. you want to put on some "Hit 'Em Up" by Tupac, right. and you're like, ah, oh, get all mad. But then you know at the end of the day, you really want to be inspired and have positivity in your life, and that's what I do with my music. Man. Right, Stevie yeah. Wonder. I just called to say I love you is one of those songs that I remember as a little kid, yes. singing along with. I had this little. I don't know what company made it but it was this little kid boombox with a microphone on it and you could put a ta- cassette tape in play a song and then sing along That's like your own mini little karaoke thing i was very young I was <laughs> yes. like five years old but that was one of the songs that's Stevie rad. wonder i just called to say i love you that's rad but i feel like kids today are young kids are exposed to s- such different music it's than we true. were it's true the people like, that you know i didn't hear that i didn't hear any sort of negative music <laughs> growing up it was like it was michael jackson that's and it was true, madonna man. and it was bon jovi and now, even you know, ra- even rap back then wasn't as crazy as right. it is today. Yeah, right. It's true. So I definitely feel you. Right? So you're keeping the positive message yep. going. Um, is there a story behind where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, it's What's a song. It's to the song was in, inspired by the world and just man, <laughs> just trying to be positive and to manifest that through those lyrics, melodies, right. and frequencies. That's that was it. It's like, man, 
somebody's having a bad day today. Guess what? Someone's having a bad day right now. Right. So if they hear this, maybe that'll help them through it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's so much negative stuff everywhere. Yeah. And they don't show it on the news. <laughs> right. And there's just as much positive stuff. Right. But it doesn't make the news. Exactly. I know. Good days aren't newsworthy. So that's why I got to handle You got to do it with the music. Yeah. yeah. So now um, tell me what happens after X Factor. You make it to the top three. Um, did the producers of X Factor, are they your managers? Are you like under contract with them? Like, do they control when you record your album? What's the, what's the last year been like? Basically, uh, when you go on the show, you sign a contract to be on the show. Right. That involves the record deal as well. Okay. And, and that's a guarantee or it's if they want you? If they want, they have right. an option to pick you up. They so, have a management team ready for you. So already. is LA Reed involved in your career? Uh-huh. Yeah. And what role? What role does he play? Well, I mean, his this, label. This man is so busy, like, yeah. ridiculous. I gotta call him. I gotta call him like on a weekly basis. Yeah. Like I gotta start calling him because I haven't called him in, like three weeks. I'm talking to him, so I need to just call him and say, "Hey, what's up? See how he's doing? Checking in. He's right. doing millions of things. Got all these artists on Epic. Right. You know. Are you on Epic? Yeah, Epic. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's involved with uh, listening to the songs, seeing, you know, what what singles come out next. We right. all have a collective. Uh, decision it's it's throughout all of us you know whichever we feel is gonna touch the most people yeah so the first single is on itunes for you was young homie right so you went back into the studio and recorded it oh yeah as a real single what did that feel like you're in the studio surrounded by all these people and you're recording your audition song it was weird it was weird because i'd never been in like uh i mean i had been in some dope studios but not like jr studios so going there was like oh this is crazy i was intimidated I was uh, wondering if what I was doing was the right thing. I just listened right. to whatever they said and did whatever they said. I kind of didn't – I wasn't really being me as much as I could have been. Yeah. I was kind of listening like they know the they know what's best. But that's okay. Sometimes Which when is, you're starting out, you got I it. think that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, you were learning. And I was, and I'm glad I did that, and I did learn. I learned a lot from – all the songwriters and producers. Right. Like, they've given me so much from going to their studios, meeting up with them, seeing how they do what they do. Right. And, and exa- it's the exact same thing that I do, what I do. And just on a bigger we, scale. Yeah. We just right. they, they got platinum CDs and all these, you know, artists they work with, which is incredible. Right. It's the dream I want to do. It's it's what I want to do. So they inspire me to keep going and just to, to, to get that one day. Yeah, and the good thing about Young Homie being your first single is that it had a built-in audience already from the show. Mm-hmm. The show was this platform. So rather than get more downloads for a song like No Diggity, right. you promoted yourself, yeah. which worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, so the second single that came out after Young Homie is a song called Trouble. Uh, tell me about that song. It's a, that one's about a girl. Right. Right. <laughs> I've read the lyrics to that. That one's a little different than Young Homie. It's, yeah, yeah. It's different. I did not, I did not write the song. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's more fun, maybe. Not fun. Ale- but. I think his name's Alex Lambert. Okay. He was on American Idol. He, Adam Lambert. No, no, oh. there's, there's two. Oh, of Alex them. Lambert. See, oh, okay. people don't remember Alex because Adam. Became oh, he famous. stole the Lambert. Yeah, yeah, he did. So Alex Lambert. Got yeah, it. he wrote the song. Uh, Busby made the music and produced it, and I, I just sang it. Um, my A and R guy was like, "Hey, this is a, a sweet song. Check it out. If you like it, you know, let's go give it a try." So I went and I was like, oh, "Okay," I went and cut it and just did it. Um, that's just that's how that happened. And how do you decide that that's the second single? That's his team decision. I did. I wasn't involved on that one. I kind of just went with what whatever they said. Right. Um, yeah. So Young Homie and Trouble are both on the album. Yeah. So the album that I want to talk to you about, uh, it came out October second. Right. right. 
Right. Um, it's called I'm Right Here. That's right. So now it's available. People can pick it up. CD in stores, they mm. can order it on Amazon, they can download it on iTunes, it's yeah. everywhere. Um, what does that title mean, I'm Right Here? Because that's not the name of one of the songs. Well, well, here I go. Yeah. Wherever I am in this life, in this world, I'm right here. Get it? <laughs> I get it. Good, that's yeah. it. I mean, that's that's as simple as it can be, but also at the beginning of the X Factor when, when the world got to see me and I, I was introduced to the business, um, L.A. Reid was like, you know, I want you on my team, but you know what, man? You got to stay straight. And I'm like, I'm right here. Always be just right here. Yep. And what I'm working towards every day is to remain right here with the spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. So I'm just trying to stay right here. Yeah. And that's what I do every day. That's the message to all the people out there right there. Yeah. I, when, I, when I saw that you had chosen that as the title of your album, my response, my interpretation of it was I'm right here like I'm present. Like yes. maybe you weren't present Real talk Before rehab Or oh. when you were going through your trouble I wasn't I Now wasn't, you're present I was not present Right Yes yeah, so Like I'm here I am Exactly <laughs> And you're kind of You know everything going on around you And you're experiencing it I'm here because I wasn't all there yeah, yeah Exactly So now do you get to go on the X Factor to perform? Yeah Um. T- well we, we We're talking to The people I think it's Sony And, yeah. and Psycho We'll let them know. They haven't started the live shows yet till November. Those, yeah, they'll start. We let them know that um, I definitely am interested in coming back. Because uh, that would be great. Performing. They, I think they'll do it. Yeah. On American Idol, like Kelly Clarkson goes back and Carrie Underwood goes back. So I yeah. feel like it's home. And I think they're get, they got a big plan going, and yeah. we're just we're we're on for the ride. It also makes them look good that they're you know that their artists go on to big things and still come back and oh yeah. You know, remember where they came from and perform, and it's Definitely. a great platform for you for those viewers to see you. No doubt, perform. Um, so, have you been watching the new season? Uh huh. Season two, you have. Yep. Even with your busy schedule. Yeah, I mean, in and out. I mean, <laughs> in sometimes I'm in a different time zone, right? And it's like, oh, I um, missed it. What do you think of, of Britney Spears and Demi Lovato? I think they're cool. I think they're it's cool, good. right? Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of a younger vibe. Yeah, it's cool. I liked Paula and Nicole. Yeah, of course. They were the, they were the best. Are you actually? I. I threw a party at Bootsy Bellows, a club in L.A., and you came to hang out one night, and yeah. or a couple nights, actually. But on one of the nights, you ran into Nicole Scherzinger there. Yeah, that was cool. she was very excited to see you. Yeah, that was cool. So she that was, was nice. awesome, too. Yeah. yeah. That was cool to hang out for a minute. And then you leave the club, and paparazzi, like, followed you down the street. You couldn't yeah. even walk to your car. The video cameras, the still cameras. What's that like? What's that been, what's that been like for you? I mean, it's Suddenly, just, you're the subject of paparazzi. It's a different world. It's a different world. It's yeah. like... People dream of, you know, be getting famous and, and doing all this stuff and having Pavarotti be there. I mean, it's a trip. It's just yeah. like, a, you know, it's a trip. It's a dream. It's like, wow, this is real. They're like, you know, they're talking to me. And I don't know, bro. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, at least you're famous for the right reasons. Hey, that's true. <laughs> Some people have the paparazzi follow them for not the right reasons. That's right. Um, they get involved in scandals or whatever. Um, so what else did I want to ask you about? Oh, so tonight you're performing at the Roxy, yes, like I said, across the street. Uh, what can people expect from this live show? Oh, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane, man. Do um, you have tons of fans coming? And yeah. Do you have family coming from Santa Cruz? Where are they coming from Cruz? right now? Those, what the Renalians from? They sent you that picture. Oh, yeah. Tell me about tell me about Renalians. Ren- oh, Renalians, you know. Um, those who, are who just, came up with that? They're part of the Love Life Army, yeah. which is my motto is Love Life. and um, That's like your hashtag. Yeah, that's that. On that's Twitter. It. It's Team Love Life, Love Life Army, Love yeah. Life. And, you know, uh, the Renalians were, were uh, born 100,000 years ago, precisely on planet Renalia. And then they <laughs> came to Earth, 
and they're you know did a fan come up with Renalian? <laughs> no, it was my brother. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I always wonder where that nickname comes up. Like yeah. Demi Lovato's fans are called Lovatics. Right, right, right. And I'm like, who is the first person to Sometimes come up with it's that? the fans that come up with it. Like there's yeah. a whole bunch of whole bunch of different names. There's, you know, Crystal Nay Homies, there's the Sh gang. Yeah. There's all kinds of different stuff. So So to bring it full circle, you came to LA when when was the audition? What month was that? Of September? Last year? September two thousand eleven. Uh-huh. You came to Los Angeles to audition for X Factor. Yeah. Ten thousand people competing with. Uh-huh. Now fast forward October two thousand twelve. Huh. Thirteen months later performing in Los Angeles on Sunset Boulevard. What like just tell me what that feels like. Oh man, it feels like the oh man. I mean it's just a the insane feeling. Like it's what I've been dreaming of since I was twelve and I started that punk band. I I do it for the same exact reason as I did it then. That's the main thing. It feels beautiful, and it's so, so rad that I, I'm having fun while I'm doing it. So, honestly, I mean, there's so many concerts that I've done in the past seven months. Right. That it when I get on stage, it just feels like home. So to be out here in L.A. on Sunset at the Roxy is going to feel like my other home. When I get up on that stage, it's going to be incredible and you know, it's it was all surreal for a while, but now it's just like this is what I do. This right. is what I was born to do. Yeah. So, and it hear all, me roar. <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. Yeah. And it all came together pretty quickly. Mm, and so, very quickly. Uh, another thing, I, I saw you perform at the Grove a couple months ago. Oh yeah. And then I saw you on Anderson Live on Anderson Cooper show performing. So, what's next? Like, what's sort of the game plan for you for the next few months, the next year? Are you going to go on tour at some point? Definitely. Um, I got a few radio shows that I'll be doing, um, one in Anaheim, one in Palm Springs, and then I go to New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah, in November. Do they know you in New Zealand? Yeah, my CD's uh, number one out there. Is that from, like, X Factor YouTube videos? I mean, I know. That's incredible. Yeah, they they got to know me. That's great. Yeah. Um, Another guest that I'm going to bring on, because I know you have to go rehearse, his name is Scott Simons. I'm going to bring him on real quick. That's my boy. And also what I have to do is uh, at the at the end of each show, even though it's not the end yet, uh, last week I had my guest who is Rob Mays, who's a friend of mine who's on 90210, and he's in a movie called John Dies at the End. He left the mystery question for you, Chris. He didn't know who my guest was going to be. Right. So that's sealed in an envelope. I don't even know what it says. So just I for your last it. question, you open that, you read that, and answer it. Got it. He could have thought it was an actor. It might be a question for an actor, but who knows? I, I'll, I'll do both. <laughs> you could adapt it, adapt it to music. So read that out. Okay. Oh wow. If I can kind of try and read this, what's your <laughs> favorite? Oh. Are we on? Yeah, we're on. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right, here it is. The question for the day. Yeah. Is, hey, what is your favorite? can't read your writing who was on the show before wait really no, I, I got it oh you can see it his name's rob mays He's this is actor. rob mays okay yeah. all right rob here we go he said hey what is your favorite civil war battle really so what is your That's kidding really his, uh. kidding oh he's funny <laughs> oh my god what the heck this is crazy okay. that's what it says yeah hold on it's reading the card right which now. which can't read that. Your opinion is best is the best. And twenty five words or less, why? Okay. Let me say twenty twenty uh unsolved mysteries, blue clues. Blues clues. Are you reading the card still? Yeah. Oh, which is your favorite out of those three? Yeah. Oh wow. Well you have a son, right? 
How yeah. old's your son? Three and a half? He's four, but four? we didn't watch Blue's Clues. You I didn't think watch Blue's Clues? We watched uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. Okay. But, you know, <clears throat> Unsolved Mysteries. <clears throat> I used to watch that. Um, <laughs> now, how am I supposed in 25 words or less? Why? It was an awesome <laughs> show. It was a <clears throat> beauteous show. They lathered each other with soap and washed each other's hair in the night. Oh, my the God. The owl flew by and said, Cuckoo! Cuckoo! I think I'm going to take from that, though, Yo Gabba Gabba. Uh, okay. Like, not all three, just Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah. And then I'm giving you a card and an envelope so you can leave one for the next guest. Done. As I bring on Scott Simons. Scott, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? So, I met you through Chris. Yes. And tell me your relationship. You, you're, in, you're in the band, basically? Yeah, I'm this keyboard player, and uh, I'd worked with them on the show on X Factor last year, and that's how we met. Right, so how does that sort of work? How do you guys get paired up? Well, I m- met Chris for like a second when he was auditioning last July, and I remember I was walking. We were getting ready to go to stage. I didn't even know they were going to film it for TV. They just hired a bunch of piano players to come play auditions. We start practicing all day. And I, th- I had a bunch of contestants, but he wasn't one of them. Oh, really? But his group was right before my group. And so I get in there, and there's like 2,500 people that have all come to see the auditions. And everyone was, like, on their feet, and everyone had just like, – the piano player just came backstage was like, dude, you got to see this guy. He just came out here. He's, like, fresh out of rehab, and he, like, killed the place. Like, And, and everyone was like, what? Like, who is it? Like, that was the story going around, that right? Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. That so then beautiful. when the show – Wow, that's awesome. So then, like, October rolled around. They kept a few of the piano players to work with the contestants. So we all had four of the 16 finalists. And so I had Chris, Marcus – Astro, or? Astro, yeah. and then Phil, Philip, oh yeah, Philip yeah. Lomax, and so then, but we would work with them on Friday, and then the show would air live Wednesday, and then Thursday night they'd vote someone off. So then Friday morning, we'd get there, and we didn't. Maybe we lost a guy. We didn't oh, know, right? But yeah. our group stayed. Three of the four stayed all the way, all the way through, all the yeah. way, almost all the way through, and then two of the four went all the way to the end. Right. So I had employment for a long time that yes. I wasn't <laughs> expecting, but I also got to see Chris like. I mean, his transition from, you know, it was amazing to see because I was always a little bit skeptical skeptical about reality television, yeah, like exactly. how much is scripted, how much is real. But to see be right next to him and see it, like, see everything change for him, like from week to week, and also like watching the live results, and we didn't know any more than they did right. or anyone at home did, and so just watching it and like, holy, you know, are we going to have someone to work with tomorrow? And then they'd show up, and everyone would be like, you know, and it would always be quiet the next morning at breakfast because there was always one person missing because. For the most part, everyone got along, and you, right. even though you're competing, you want yeah. people to do well, and you become friends. So, like, you show up in the morning, and it's like, all right, we got our group, and then we'd start working again. Right. And a year later, you're still working together. Yeah. Yeah, and then after that, we, I think Ellen we was rocked, the first performance. Shows. Ellen was the first one. Yeah. So since, we we, got, since x Factor, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of amped in it right now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm amped. I'm ready to rock tonight. Yeah. And well, this is exciting. I mean, you got, like, good. a headlining show I'm in so Los Angeles stoked. tonight, like, compared to where you were even a year, a year ago. ago. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, I was doing... um. The blue, the blue Lagoon in Santa Cruz on Pacific Avenue, two hundred people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Once every two months. That was that was my. That was that your was gig. It. That was it. And I, that hey, that was fun. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But this, this. You didn't is know it was waiting fun. for you. This yeah. is crazy fun. <laughs> I I get weird and have a great time. It's a I can't wait. Game. I'm gonna be there tonight, yeah. and I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, That's it's awesome. gonna be insane. So I know Chris needs to run across the street to That's the Roxy right now. That's what's up. And but Scott's gonna stay and talk yeah. for a little bit. But uh, thank you, Chris. That was awesome. Dude, thank you. And, Thanks um, for doing that. Spreading the message. Yeah. I have a I mean, Love life. Great energy. 
Love life. Great positive message today on the show. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for doing this. I'll see you tonight at the Roxy. Thank you, guys. I'll see you. All right. So, Scott Simons, let's continue. Let's. Um, So, you are a musician yourself. Uh, We talked about your connection with Chris, but um, tell me sort of what your role is, not only at X Factor, but also you work at The Voice. Uh, no, actually, I didn't work on The Voice, oh, but didn't? I work with Chris Mann. Who, oh, Chris Mann from The who, Voice. Who was a finalist on The Voice. That's yeah. right. And I never worked on The Voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so just X Factor. Just S. Oh, just okay. X-Factor. I was wondering how you balance the two, because now yeah. at the same time, I'm like, how does he do that? Yeah, no, just X Factor. And also, I'm not the only guy on it. I mean, there's a several piano players yeah, of that course. are on X Factor, so right. I don't give the impression that <laughs> no. I'm just like the guy. But X-Factor. I think it's cool, because um, when I met you with Chris, you know, you have... It was interesting. Like I was asking you sort of like what your role is and how it works over there. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what your routine is like at the X Factor, sort of the daily grind. So they did a weekly, you know, like I said earlier, they, every Friday we'd come in and we had a staple of artists that we worked with. So there were four of us and I worked with L.A. Reed's team, which last year was the guys. Right. Um, and so it was um, – we would come in every Friday and we – I mean, you know, there was there's an A&R in every room. There is a uh, vocal producer. There's a track producer. And there's and then there's a piano player. So my role was really just to play piano, come up with the key, come up with help, come up with the key, help right. come up with the arrangement. I wish they would show the that production. on the show. It's pretty interesting. Uh, why don't they? They want to keep. They want to keep mystery. I don't know. I don't know why they don't. It's interesting because we go through a bunch of songs. Yeah. I mean that's that might be why. Like oh, licensing. Uh, right. You know when you're trying to figure out all Find the songs. Right because what's interesting is we'll start learning a song, and then someone will run in with a piece of paper and say stop stop rehearsing that they won't clear right. meaning you can't we can't even no matter no m- amount of money this artist will not let you do their songs on tv and some artists will be like you can do our song but you can't change anything about it or some artists will be like some artists will be like uh you can do it but you have to uh, but it can't be part of a medley right so like there has to be a bar in between the two songs well chris you know, was so. talking about the remix of let it be and young um, homie. and young homie yeah. and i was like how'd you get the rights to the beatles and he's like they just did it they have a person sitting there on a laptop all day that's like what song are you working on and they'll run out and say yes or you know and then there were sometimes people would have to make personal phone calls and be like i'm gonna call l right. cool j myself and right. we'll get this we'll get this cleared and right be like wow okay or you know, I think there was a time where L.A. called CeeLo personally and was like, we want to do your song, and your publishing company saying you won't clear it. And really? Yeah. So I don't know how that panned out, but I just remember. Well, I don't remember a CeeLo song on, on I X Factor. Remember. I don't remember. I'm not sure. But, I mean, it looks like to me, like, any time a song's on X Factor or American Idol or The Voice, that original song also gets higher on the charts. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think noticed that there's some incentive for it. There is. I mean, I see on iTunes that a whole new audience discovers yeah. those songs. There's a new generation finding songs from the 80s and the 90s yeah. because it was performed on one of these shows. Yeah, and we're doing some really cool stuff. I don't think I can talk about it, but they yeah. have some really cool stuff that we've been working on. Right now they're prepping for the live shows, and right. so we've been working on you know, here this week's theme, and it's this, and then the next week is this. So let's get oh, some cool. ideas, and we'll spitball maybe like 30 ideas and, and what start are, playing them. What are they up to now, top 16? I, I don't they know. haven't announced the behind. top sixteen yet on the show, but but in real life, I don't know. Well, that it ends up being sixteen that go to the live show. It's four for each judge, right? That makes sense. And so the judges this year, I was talking to Chris about this, are Simon Cowell, L.A. Reid, who are back, right, and Britney Spears and Demi Lovato, right. Just so exciting. I met Demi briefly the other day. Yeah, and, I know her actually but, through a friend of mine. Oh, that's and great. She's the sweetest girl. She she's very so nice. much fun. Yeah, she seemed really nice. I really like her. I was really happy for her when I heard that she got to be. I think it's going to be awesome the judge. for her and L.A. Is, was awesome to work with last yeah. year, and I had met him. My I had a band that 
based on the East Coast, and we showcased ten years ago for L.A. when he was at Arista. Oh, so really? we went to New York, and I just remember like being a wreck and performing for him, and he ultimately passed on my band. But last year, I ran up, uh, went <laughs> up to him after the first day of rehearsal. Yeah. And then he was like complimented me on some stuff, and I said, well, you know, this isn't the first time we've met. And he said, no. And I said, no, I was in a band that showcased for you. Uh, 10 years ago, 2003, almost 10 what years ago. What was the band called? We were called The Argument. Okay. And he said, uh, he said, what was the band called? It was The <laughs> Argument. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, four guys singing, piano player, lead singers. Like, I remember that band really well. So in some yeah, way, I called really up nice. my guy, you know, two and of you the were, guys. And were you the piano player? I was the piano player and lead singer. And then two of the guys still live in West Virginia, where I'm from. And wow. then the guitar player lives in Annapolis, Maryland. And so I called them up, and I was, you know, or I texted them. I was like, yeah. well, here's a small little victory for us. Yeah. L.A. Reid remembers us nine years yeah. later. Yeah, maybe so. it just wasn't the type of music for his label, but he remembered it, you. It wasn't the right time. Right. It wasn't the – and, you know, everything happened for a reason. At the time, it was the end of the world for us, but – you know, in hindsight. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So tell me your background a little bit. Um, where are you from? You're from Virginia? From West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah. East Coast. Separate states as of they 1863. Are yeah. <laughs> Some people. I've, I've uh, heard that. Yeah. That they became separate states. Yeah. Um, what was West Virginia? Was it all one big state before that? Virginia was one big oh, state. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I never really thought about but it. But then in the Civil War, West Virginia went north. <laughs> That's and Virginia right. went south. So we're the good guys, but we get all the crap. Right. Yeah. But you're technically an East Coaster, right? Or is that considered the South? Uh, it's not considered the South. It's weird because part of it is uh, north of the Mason-Dixon, part of it's south of the Mason-Dixon. Right. It's just far enough west to be Midwest, but just right. far enough east to be East Coast. It's right. Like I'm Jersey, I'm East Coast. Yeah. And I'm, my dad's Jersey. My dad was South Jersey. Right. He passed away, but he was from Cherry Hill area. I think we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, so. Cherry my mom was Brooklyn. Right. So I have the, my whole the, family is Brooklyn. Is it? Originally, Maybe yeah. we're related. Maybe. Yeah. I think there's so, a lot of people in Brooklyn. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I don't but, think we uh, have any Simons in our family. Honestly. I don't think we have any Gersons. <laughs> but maybe the, the maybe what it was somewhere. changed from. Right. No, but uh, my – so, yeah, my dad was a, a disc jockey on the radio. Oh, really? And my mom at the time was working for uh, – a record company that would send out or had to do something, had to be in touch with radio stations, and they fell in love on the phone. Oh my, my mom moved straight from Brooklyn at age 26 and never driven a car, never seen a cow, had never seen you know a mountain. She moves to West Virginia no way. and starts teaching in this very rural school. So she's been there 37 years now at the same school. That's completely amazing. Completely lost her accent. Wait, they fell in love over the phone? Over the phone. and I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. No one talks on the phone anymore. No. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't think I could fall in love over text. Well, people fall in love on the internet. I guess. But at least that way you see a picture. Yeah. I mean, they really they fell in love with each other's voices. Yeah, I guess And so. then she drove from Brooklyn to West Virginia? She didn't drive. I don't know how she got there. I'm sure there she wasn't drove. Even, yeah, there was an interstate then, but I don't remember it for West Virginia. But wow. So, they, so then my dad became a weatherman on TV, and he was like a local celebrity in West Virginia. That's awesome. And he was very musically inclined, played clarinet and directed plays. And so then uh, when I was, you know, like 13 or something like that, yeah. I had been playing clarinet, but quickly realized at junior high well, that uh, girls yeah. tended to like it better when I played piano. Somehow so everyone plays clarinet, like yeah. with the reed, and somehow you end up playing clarinet. I've, yeah. I went against the grain in middle school or was it elementary school and I played the saxophone. See, Even I switched though, to sax later. It, it, I just felt like it looked cool and yeah. like... Well, that's about as cool as you're going to get Right, band, for the, the band. Saxophone. Well, I wasn't even in the band. I don't know what right. it was. It was like one music class where you had to have an instrument. But well, I went saxophone but what they did was they tested each of us to see what instrument we should oh, wow. play. And I tested for the drums. But my parents had the foresight to be like, Brett with a drum set 
would is be not a good no. idea because I would just be doing it all day long in their house, and they we we compromised on saxophone. Well, I feel like also this was a time when saxophone was on the radio. <laughs> like you could turn on oh, the radio and turn oh, on right. sa- and was hear Kenny, saxophone. Was Kenny G saxophone? But just even what was it? You know, Sa- yeah, he's soprano sax. sax. But oh, like so even yeah. if, absolutely. But, but like even uh, if you got like um, you know like a Billy Ocean get out of my ear and get right. in my car. There's a sax totally. solo. You're right. Every song, Careless Whisper by George, everything You're had right. a sax. Eighties and nineties. So that was about as cool, cool as you were going to get in right. the eighties and nineties is to play the saxophone. That's true. I chose the clarinet. My sister was clarinet. Yeah, but clarinet. as a guy in no, West Virginia, right. playing clarinet, right. the only Jew in your school. There's like two Jews in my school. Right. I'm one of them. I'm half of the Jewish population. <laughs> right. I have a mullet. I'm carrying around a clarinet. What I'm year just, is this? This is 1989, 1988. Wow. And so I very quickly switched to piano. And when I saw it's a good thing you did. Well, I saw a uh, classmate, Patrick Burnett, playing right here waiting for you and all the, the girls. The best. Yeah, the best. The Richard Marks. And Richard Marks is my first. All these girls were like hands on fist with their elbows on the piano, oh like God. just staring at him. And I'm just holding my clarinet with my mullet. And Richard Marks was one of my first concerts. Really? At the Garden State Arts Center You know these Jersey. mics are on. Yes. And, and I'm proud that. to admit it. <laughs> oh, we went to Debbie Gibson. I had an older sister. My, uh, I saw Phil Collins. That's uh, a good one. Th- it was a good Listen, one. I still love Richard Marks. I'm not Dude, kidding. I'm not Follow kidding. him on Twitter. I won't give up until I'm satisfied. Listen, right here like waiting. You already said his best. Yeah, right well, that waiting. was great. Uh, so that piano intro. I uh, took it here. I have to d- disclose this to you. I've never told you this, but I play played piano growing did up. Did you? Yeah. Randy Cajula was our uh, piano teacher, Randy and my Cajula. sister started, and That's then a I. Name. Yeah, and then I started, and my sister did it. She's three years older. She did it for years before me, but he would come once a week. To our house and sit with us at the piano that my parents still have. And, That's awesome. And we would play piano once a week with him, and we were supposed to practice all week, but it was very hard to right. get me to do that. But I would take movie theme songs and TV theme songs to keep me interested. <laughs> so I could play the Cheers theme right. song, and I could play it Star well. Star Wars, Superman. Not, I wasn't really Star Wars. No? I went more like Brian Adams. Oh, like Everything I Do. Everything I Do, I do I for that. You, Robin Hood. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was more that kind of theme song. But... <laughs> But I just lost it. I wish I could still play piano like it I was come back when I was bit. a kid. It but, would come back if you tried it. So tell me, so you're 13, you're playing piano, and how did it become your career? What was so, the So, I mean, honestly, I remember my parents got me my first synthesizer, my first electronic keyboard. And the, oh, and the, the first best. thing I wanted to do was... was it the was, Sony? It was a the Yamaha. And it had like the... Yeah. Oh, that's then that's what I had. It was like a Casio kind of thing. But it was the one that you could... had sound effects. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best. It was the best. And the first thing I did was write a song based on our doorbell or something. I remember, like, listening to the doorbell, right. figuring it out, and writing a song. That's incredible. And I remember just being like, I don't care how good a piano I am. I just want to write songs. And so then that became my M.O. as I quit lessons the whole time. I started a teacher, quit lessons, started a teacher, quit lessons. Got oh, all really? the way into college, would get a teacher, quit lessons. I just hated. Piano teacher. I hated. Yeah. Being I taught. hated taking lessons. Right. Then I ended up teaching piano. Wow. <laughs> before I moved out here. So I'm in, um, yeah. But yeah. Did you, so you're saying it came naturally? It was just like a natural? Well, I did a lot by of. ear. Right. And, uh, well, I feel like the best musicians play by ear. Yeah, well, no, I don't know. I mean, it, it just depends what – I think it just depends uh, what you are pulled towards, like right. however you learn best. Like some people are visual, need to be – need to read the music, and some people can do it by ear, and that, that the reading it doesn't make sense. I can read music, but I just prefer to, to do it by ear. So when did you make the move from West Virginia to Los Angeles? Not till four years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, so oh, okay. I, I went to – I remember saying to my dad, at the time, like, I just want to write songs. That's what I want to do. He was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to write songs. He said, well, you can major in that in college. And I was like, what? Right. That's a thing? Yep. So then I didn't have any kind of theory background. I was going completely by ear. I had quit all my lessons. 
So I went to, like, Cincinnati Conservatory of Music to audition and didn't get in. I went to different schools to get in. Ended up settling at the time for West Virginia University. But in hindsight, I'm really glad I went because yeah. I needed to catch up to other kids. So right. I majored in composition at West Virginia University. And during my last couple of years there, st- we started a band with – I started a band with three other friends called The Argument. Right. It was like Weezer meets The Beatles meets – a band called Jellyfish who oh, we were all cool. obsessed with. Well, Weezer. Ben Every- Folds meets Weezer. It was like heavier guitar oh, with I like, like power pop kind of stuff. That's cool. And we'd play for like 11 people in Morgantown, West Virginia. <laughs> and then we got in the van and we started playing Outer Banks in North Carolina and we'd drive 10 hours to Lansing, Michigan. And then by the end of it, we were a band for 10 years. We had played 25 states. We'd sold 12,000 records. We That's showcased incredible. for like four or five labels and we never no, got but, signed. And, really? and we, we started when we were 20 and we broke up when we were 30. Wow, and uh, and then I spent the next couple years in Morgantown, like lost. I was kind of I was playing hotel cover gigs. I was playing bars, just doing you know, don't go changing yeah. and playing piano bar. But the thing was, my dad was when I was fifteen. My dad started booking me in bars right away. Wow! So I was and every any time my dad directed a play and we'd have cast parties, my dad would like play piano man. I'm like, oh, dad, he's like play scenes from Italian restaurants. Right. Dad, and I'd always like mope mope over to the piano and everyone right. would clap and. So by the time I got to a point in my life where I don't have a band, I'm out of school, I'm stuck. I, I mean, at the time, I love West Virginia, but at the time, I was stuck there. Yeah, well, well no matter what town you're in, you're always thinking Hollywood, no matter yeah. where you grow up. Well, I was thinking New York. Oh, okay. I was thinking New York. I, okay. I, I really wanted to go to New York. And so L.A. is very foreign to me. I would. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. But then I was doing some – while I'm doing these hotel bar gigs, and I was teaching 40 piano lessons a week. And I was substitute teaching school, and I was teaching a private school one day a week, pre-K through 8. Oh, my God. I was doing all these things. And uh, I, but while I was doing that, I had a writing partner in D.C. from another band, and we started writing pitch songs. Like, what if Pink needed a song? What if Miley Cyrus needed a song? That's we a just started idea. writing ideas. Right. And we got asked to write with this artist named Pixie, who it, at the time was being developed here in the states. She's a, a British uh, pop artist, and okay. she's huge over there now. Um, but she never really broke here yet. She might, but right. she hasn't yet. And we were some of the first writers to work with her. And two of the songs got put on hold, meaning we're going to put these on the record. So, you know, I was, like, freaking out. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh. So then There's I came out here. I got some meetings, and I started doing some writing sessions in L.A. and quickly realized that the songwriting was primarily, like, the best bang for buck to, like, if you're going to move somewhere and do songwriting, yeah, of it's course. L.A. It yeah. changes, well, but right now it's L.A. For a lot of the arts. Yeah. Yeah, this is where you need to be. So I shifted my focus, was coming out here a lot, doing two-week trips every other month, and eventually got management, got a publishing deal, picking up getting dropped. My songs did not get recorded. But it got me out here. Exactly. And you needed that push. Yeah. So four years ago, I and this coincided with a, a long – I was in a 10-year relationship uh, that broke up. Wow. And so that coincided with, like, the bands broke up. I was going to say, two 10-year relationships. Yeah. And so just got in the car, fit whatever I could put in the Honda Fit and made the drove, move. Made the, made the move. And so then, yeah, so now I'm four years here. And, and how did X Factor come about? It was a weird thing, like classic – LA like you know, like one thing that turns me off about LA is when yeah. people are like just always in network mode and people are just like kind of douchebags about like telling you all the time what they're working on <laughs> yeah like I hate when the first thing out of someone's mouth is like what when you say doing? how are you and they tell you what they're work what yeah. they're working on actually but, I I'm so used to it from being out here right for like nine ten years that I'm so used to that that I I don't realize it until other people point it out right who haven't been here as long like I'll have people visit from New York and they'll be like, why does everyone do that? Ask what yeah. you do. And I'm it like, I don't know. Crazy. I guess in New York, you don't talk about your jobs. Maybe it's different kind of jobs like finance. And maybe it's like when you're at a club, you don't talk about it. But, but I think the other LA, thing- it's just people are in networking mode, which 
which listen, there's there's pros and cons to it because sometimes you mention something to someone and like, oh, I need someone to come. Well, no, I think that there's that. a time and place to talk about yourself. Because right. Because if you true. don't represent yourself, no one else is going to. Well, if somebody no asks, you, not, sh- you should tell them. You should. Think, yeah. And you, no one's going to be as passionate about your thing as much as you are. Right. So you have to. But I think there's a way to do it. I don't know. It doesn't turn a lot of people off. It turns me off. I know. I what think you're there's saying. a way to there's do it. There's a way to do it. Yeah. So, but I'm so used to it. I don't mind if some the first thing out of someone's mouth is like, "Hey, right. I moved here to be a musician or an actor, or an actress, or a writer, or a director." Because usually it's like, "Where are you from?" Right. And then why are you in why LA? You like, yeah. There's got to be a reason. You right. don't just end up in LA. Right. There's got to be a reason. So do you for think, you, do you yeah. think they were like when the first people in LA, like they were like, "Why are you here?" And they're like, "What? What's your field?" They're like, "I'm a Spanish settler." I don't. Well, like, that's way back. That's way Yeah, like the first people. But let's look at like Marilyn. Monroe and, and James Dean. I mean, I, they came yeah. from middle of nowhere, and then right. all of a sudden it was like, what do you want to do? I want to be a movie star. And right. it worked. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah. so the LA the, the, the X-Factor thing came yeah. about through some LA networking. Right. So I you, guess you maybe, have to network. You but here's the thing. I think maybe <laughs> I take the longer route because there's something more gratifying. I'm not saying this is the right way. Right. I, it's definitely the longer way around. But there's right. something more gratifying about someone coming to you and asking you to do something of rather course. than you hounding them Absolutely. until they break down and ask you to do right. something. But what I'm saying is there's nothing wrong in it, – it depends on your kind of networking, but in letting people know right. why you're out here, what you're passionate about, because it'll click in their head if they need somebody to fill a certain role. Yes. Oh, what about that guy Scott yeah, Simons that I and met? And that's what yeah. happened. I right. mean, that's what happened with X Factor was uh, – right. Um, there was a person that I played well when I moved out here I got partnered up with a girl named Lindsay Ray who's a fabulous songwriter okay. her manager uh, went on to manage a artist that was doing a showcase um, so they needed a band and they hired a band and in that band was a guy uh, who played guitar for my Cyrus and so then through that band he some, uh, he knew he would remember me from that band, like said, maybe a year and a half later. Someone asked him, "Do you know any piano players for X Factor?" See, there you go. He said, "I know." Oh, then I went out to a club in <laughs> in town, and he was like, "Hey, I just got a call today for piano players, you know, for X Factor. You want to go?" So I, I say yes. I drive out to Santa Monica during Carmageddon of last year. Right. I drive out. I meet the producers of the show. I play a few songs. They take a picture of me to show to the TV people. Check out how I'm dressed and everything like that. The next day, I get an email saying like, "We're gonna pass." Because of how you were dressed? I don't know if it was because of how I dressed. <laughs> I mean, I thought I dressed nicely, but, right. I mean, it was a scuba outfit, so maybe that was... Right. Like, no, yeah, that wouldn't work. No, that wouldn't work. <laughs> Just very loud. Right. Um, so basically, squeaky. they need to make sure they already knew that you could play piano. Now it was just a matter of if if you were TV friendly for the, I guess, for the show. I guess, but they already knew your skills at this point. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I don't know if they could tell. So I what mean, happened? So then, that was on a Sunday or something, and then like on Thursday night, I got an email like, "Here's 50 <laughs> songs. We need you here tomorrow. It's a seven-hour oh, okay. day." So maybe it wasn't the picture. Yeah, no, I think they That's just, just what you told yourself? I just think, I don't know. <laughs> I always assume it's my fault. Oh, no. So then, uh, yeah, go out there. Then I learned, like, 50 songs that night. Stayed oh up to, like, 3 a.m., chart them out. Get there the next morning. None of the other piano players had even learned songs. Right. There you and, uh, you know, we all just, that's when I met Chris. That's what the audition that I met Chris. Right. And, um, and so then, through another connection, when October rolled around, it is a, a, a bunch of weird things that happened with this whole gig, was that in October, they were looking for piano players. And a guy that I ran into at the auditions in July, which was the thing I got turned down for and then picked back up for. Right. He was like, what are you doing here? I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I work for 
you know, Simon Cowell's label now, and I'm helping run X Factor. I was like, oh, well, I blah, 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 told him the whole story. So when October rolled around, he remembered that I was at the auditions. And we had met two years prior through wow. some film composer that we had a mutual friend with. Right. And so he called me in October, and that gave me employment all, all the way through December. Then I go home for the holidays, right. come back after the new year, and the first call I get is from a friend of mine, John, who happens to manage Chris Renee now. So Chris gets out of the show. He's top three or yeah, third place or whatever. Third place. And his manager is a friend of a, of a really good friend of mine, and we'd hung out together but never worked together. And he's like, you play piano, right? And you played for Chris on the show, right? He's like, yeah. And he goes, well, we have an Ellen appearance next week, and we need a band. Amazing. So, and then... And this is Chris Renee's first TV performance. First, first performance with a band. On a we talk never, show. We rehearsed for two days in front right. of the label, and we did Young Homie with a full band. On Ellen. And On Ellen. And Amazing. I was probably a bigger wreck than he was. Like, Chris is, you know, nothing phases him. Nervous but, wreck, you're Yeah, saying. I was freaking out that's amazing and so then that started march and then young homie went to radio and it started to really do well now does chris get to decide at that point is he like i want this guy with me all the time uh i'm sure it's up to him at that point yeah. I, I assume because yeah. you guys are friends off stage as well yeah well that's we've how become really good friends and yeah. because we know each other for a year and a half at this point yeah now, right now and there's so, like a trust there because you knew each other before and I there's think a it's language important. between you two right you know. and i think it's important because he that he has people around him that he's comfortable with and that he trusts because right. it's it's scary when you're, like, plucked out of obscurity and then yep. all of a sudden you're – I mean, he can't walk through a mall without <laughs> someone coming up and telling a personal story to them about how he affected them. Right. And people it's, really were drawn to his story. Yes. You, I mean, a lot of people also just kind of – you know, you want to make sure you have people around you that you can trust and yeah. you don't know what people's motives are all the time. So it, it really worked out. The band is great. Like, everyone in the band just has a great relationship with Chris, and it's worked out really well. Yeah, what's interesting, too, about Chris, it's not just, like – they go up to him in the mall and want a picture with him because he's famous or he was on TV. They right. want to share a story maybe People, about sobriety or about rehab or something that they've been through because he has that extra element to him. Yeah, people pour their hearts out to yeah. him, and it's amazing to watch and to see. And even online, his yeah. fans are awesome. The Renalians, the Renalians, as he was telling they're me. They're very passionate and tweet every retweet and tweet at and do everything so yeah they're very active and so i met you because like i said you and chris hang out off stage and he you came with him to booty bellows yeah, a couple I times w- it was a last minute like 11 p.m he was in la he's like do you want to go yeah i was like well how's this gonna work you know i've never been with him in a setting like that we've right. been on the road and the, of course there's been alcohol around oh right but i'd never no, seen he's him got in it. a club oh, yeah, and he's i was got just it like wow yeah. you know okay He's got and willpower. There's there's alcohol everywhere, and he drinks a Red Bull. It and transcends he just hangs out. willpower. I yeah. think it's like a whole life It's a bigger thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, – His life has changed so much from where he was before the audition right. that it's not, he's, it's not even worth it. Yeah. He doesn't want to do it's anything that's going to take away. It's, yeah. It's yeah. amazing to watch. Yeah. And so we hung out that night. Bootsy Bell was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. hilarious and awesome. It was really fun. And uh, uh, he's got to perform there. we got to get him performing and you on the, let's do you it. On the piano. Well, let's do it. Well, one of the nights you – guys, you guys have been there a couple times, and um, – there's the back room where I throw this party three nights a week. Right. And there's a piano back there. Right. And one night at the end of the night, I was like, get on the piano. Yeah, and so and I was all you, nervous. Well, you were nervous. I'm like, whatever. If you get in trouble, I'll take take the fall. So you got behind the piano, and whoever was still left, because this is the end of the night. People are filing out. But, you know, there was an opportunity there because the DJ had stopped playing music that you could actually hear the piano if someone played it. So you sat down, and you played Tiny Dancer by Elton John. Right. And all of a sudden, everyone who's left in the room is singing along. Well, what's, it became this sing-along. Well, what's funny is, like, going back to when I was 15 and my dad telling me, like, training me to entertain a room when I didn't even want to. Exactly. And then I moved 
Oh, and then I'm telling it. you to do it. And then it's like, here I am, like years later. Yeah. It's like, you're like, what are the what are your go-to songs? I'm like, oh, man, I'm so rusty. I don't know. Uh, no, you played. Tiny Dancer. Yeah. And, and then it was like Billy Joel. Yeah, you played it, Billy Joel, Piano Man. You did yeah. a couple Billy Joel songs. I mean, those are the go-to. There's like such a. No, it was great. Been, but, but you had people the People think they're requesting unique songs oh, at yeah. piano bars. But it's always Brown Eyed Girl. It's always Sweet Caroline. It's always right. Things from Those are the sing-alongs. So now you had a right. room full of people singing along. It was great. I didn't want it to end, but obviously the club has to close at a certain time. They just suggested they that yelled. we wrap it up. That was well, a loud well, suggestion. Well, because no, they didn't yell. I didn't That's yell. not true. But um, <laughs> but I said that I told you to do it, and and basically because you were playing the piano and everyone was having so much fun singing along, they didn't want to leave. Right. So it was delaying them clearing the club. So Let's it was do a, it. We got to do a night. We will. We do that. Well, we got to do, do an early night. Right. Early night before the DJ goes on, where you play and sing along and. But it was really fun, and I was like, this kid can play piano. Oh, this guy well, can play, which I already thanks. knew. But when you see it just off the cuff <laughs> like that, it's different than watching it on TV. Well, thanks. Yeah. And um, another thing I wanted to say that you brought up, you said your parents let you major in music yeah. in college. So I think that's one of the main things, like by doing this show and talking about how people get to where they got. Mm-hmm. And for me, too, my parents let me major in television radio film wow. at Syracuse University. Oh, I love and it. it was, and it was the kind of thing where – um, wait, I can really do this with my life. Like right. I can, my, I have my parents' support where I can major in what I right. love in college. It wasn't like they said, you know, go be pre-law and then go to law school so you right. have that to fall back on. They let me follow my heart and, you know, major in what I really wanted. So to hear that your parents told you, go major in music. Yeah, they. it wasn't like... It wasn't they, a question. They, they let me. They just encouraged me. To, yeah. Like, I mean... Well, they could have said, we're paying for college and you'll major in what yeah. we tell you, which I feel like happens to a lot of kids. I There are kids I grew up with who could have gone on to become filmmakers and sportscasters and, you know, but their parents were like, you got to major in this. Right. Or we're paying for it. And, and it... Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm a big proponent for following your dreams well, if you have the ability to. I think the and, most and heartbreaking, the uh, heartbreaking part is not necessarily... I mean, yes, that's always going to be a thing where parents support or don't support. Yeah, because it's not just emotional support. It's financial support. To get to a career in the arts takes a lot of support. My family wasn't – well, I mean, I'm still – I took out loans, and I'm still – I'll never have them paid off. (laughs) Right. Never You will. Yes, you will. Of course you will. A couple songs. I need a hit song. You will. Uh, But aside from that – you know, so I'm still paying for that. My parents, you know, I was playing gigs and playing cover bands when I was 19 still, and that's right. how I was paying rent in addition to my financial aid. Right. But um, I think what's heartbreaking more so than, you know, because you're always going to have parents that encourage or don't encourage. Right. But what's heartbreaking is the, the way that music and arts programs are being stripped out of public schools. Right. And, I mean, I know, that's like I, the first program to go. And it's, it's horrible. When in I was way, in West Virginia, I was like, what are we doing? This is crazy. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I would have been so lost. I can't even imagine what my life would be if I didn't have amazing music teachers. Right. That let me – I would skip math class and go write jazz band charts. Right. And it was perfectly fine yeah. because they knew that I could do it, and that's what I wanted to do, and that's what my passion was. Exactly. And the fact that now, like – they're cutting music. So I was thinking, oh, this is happening in West Virginia. They come out to Los Angeles. Like, no, they're doing the same thing in California. It's terrible. Yeah. And that's, it's a shame. The, that's the scariest part. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I feel like it. I feel like there's enough people trying to stop it. But it's just, for some reason, it's, it's, it's offensive that that's the first thing they cut. They're like, oh, this yeah. is easy to cut. Let's get rid of art class. Yeah. Let's get rid of music class. Well, my mom's school, they cut. They, they had to make a decision between physical education and music. <laughs> and they decided that. Um, if they did music in the classroom, that a classroom teacher could teach music, but could not teach physical education. Right. And I don't know. Doesn't I just make think sense. It's, it's the priorities are a little backwards. Right. Not that physical education is bad. No, but listen, there's kids who don't like gym class who'd right. rather be in music class. Yeah, right. Um, but I want to say, one so of those kids. yeah, me too. 
Now, you mentioned um, that you did a lot of cover bands and yeah. cover songs. Yeah. So something I need to talk about, this is a funny story. Um, Rihanna came out with a song in 2007 called Umbrella. Oh, right. Very popular song. Right. Um, now, I remember friends of mine who were DJing in 2007, 2008, started playing this acoustic cover of Rihanna's Umbrella. Right. I was doing a party at a, a place called Stone Rose, and it was like from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. So like the first part of the night, like 8 to 10, 8 to 11, it would be more like loungy music. Right. So they would play this Umbrella cover by a guy named Scott Simons. <laughs> and I made a memo in my BlackBerry that I still have that I've shown you. You showed it to me. It's the, crazy. The, the, the topic of the memo is cover songs. And then underneath is a list of songs I've heard, like cool indie covers. And the first one is Umbrella, Scott right. Simons. <laughs> so I went home and I downloaded it. It was on iTunes. Right. And I didn't even make the connection. And how did it even come up? I don't even remember. How did it? I just figured it out. I think I said my name and you were typing it in your phone and like a light bulb went off or something. something. Like, yeah, or I Simons. looked it up on iTunes and it was available. Yeah. And I was like, wait, that's the Scott Simon who did this umbrella cover. <laughs> I listened to it a thousand times in 2007, 2008, right? Okay, Is that so when did it come out? That, that sounds about out? right. Seven. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. How do you just, how did you even think to do the male acoustic version of a Rihanna song, Umbrella? Well, Technically, it wasn't acoustic. It was more synth, kind of postal servicey kind of. Cover. Okay. So it was like it was it was broken down. It right, was right, like, right. Stripped. Yeah, stripped. <laughs> right. So uh, um, I the, the band had broken up. I was working on a solo EP for Rostrum Records. Okay. Which uh, my current band teammate is is signed to as well. Right. Rostrum has Wiz Khalifa, has Mac Miller. They're a indie based out of Pittsburgh that's blowing up. Right. And so at the time, I was going to do a solo record on. Rostrum. And I was still finding myself, like, what am I going to be? Am I sound like the band? Am I going to do my own thing? I don't yeah. play guitar. Maybe there's no guitar. Maybe. And I'm getting into production. And I had, like, an old iBook G4. At the time, while I'm going through this, you know, the label was just kind of like, let's get some content. Let's just do something. <laughs> something. And I was getting ready to go to one of those hotel cover, you know, swanky lounge gigs. And yeah. I was joking around and saying I should cover that new song, Umbrella. And there was, there were, at the time, no, there, there were, were no, none. There were none. I had I never mean, heard. By the end of the year, right. there were oh, yeah, 40. But I had never heard a cover of Rihanna right. by anyone but Rihanna, right. you know, until right. yours. And then uh, I just put it together. I was like, wait, this actually is kind of cool. Like, it was I was really kind of cool. tongue-in-cheek at first, and then I realized it's just really a pretty song. It yeah. works really well like this. We put it up on MySpace at the time, oh, of course. and and it blew up. And the next thing I know, like a couple weeks later, I had a call from a radio station <laughs> in Virginia Beach saying, "We've been spinning this, but we have the MP3. Can you send us a higher quality recording?" <laughs> and we also sent it to our sister station in Austin and our sister station in Chicago. And the next thing you know, without any kind of radio promotion it behind it, it went 15 stations around the United States. I was getting up at 6 a.m. and giving interviews to radio stations in Ireland. It Incredible. was all over the place. And the biggest tragedy and you didn't of all expect that, that didn't expect it. And because I didn't expect it, I had nothing else ready to go like if anyone has that kind of success on the radio you want to try to follow up with oh, a yeah. second song well what's no what else, yeah. second song but uh, but rihanna's umbrella was the number one song that summer it was so in the world yeah in the world massive so to have a cover of it that took off right. took off like that when you least expect it but right. how did it sort of the i don't even know how to explain it to people i guess go to itunes yeah is it still on there yeah it's still type on in there. scott simons s-i-m-o-n-s yeah and umbrella cover yeah. and it's awesome i wish i had it i'd, Thank play, you. I'd play it right now Thank you. Um, but you, so before you have to go, because I know you have to get across the street to right. the Roxy for your right. sound check, because the show is in four hours. Right. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about Teammate, which is your yeah. band now? So the breakup I told you about earlier. Uh, the argument. Ten year, well, but then the relationship. Oh, the relationship breakup. breakup. Yes. It's a 10 year relationship. And uh, I moved. She stayed behind. She's in Pittsburgh. Right. Four years on, we started a band together. She's on drums. Oh, um, wait. Yeah. This so is your ex-girlfriend? Yeah. Is your bandmate? Yes. 
teammate. Yes. Got it. So we figured if we can't be together as a couple, we can at least be teammates. And that's kind of our thing. And so obviously you song, stayed friends. <laughs> we've stayed really close. We're best, wow. best friends. And so she's the drummer. I'm the keyboard player. And, uh, yeah, so we're doing a whole record on Rostrum Records. Is there anything out yet? Yeah, there's a free download available at teammateband.com. It's a song called Sequel that basically tells our whole story. Really? Yeah. Oh, I got to hear that. I haven't heard anything yet. Oh, I'd love you to hear it. And then we're playing in L.A. at the end of November. Perfect. And uh, I got to come check it out. out. We're getting ready to do an East Coast tour next week. So So how do you balance the two? How do you balance being part of Chris Renee's band with being part of Teammate? Well, it's that and the next factor and then playing with Chris Mann. And X Factor, right. Um, Oh, right. Oh, Chris Mann, I just wanted to say, did you guys just do a live show in the last week or so? Possibly, yeah. We did a couple, like a benefit or something. Were you there? You were part of it? Yeah. Because Emmy Rossum, the actress who's a good friend of oh, mine, right. she was tweeting about him and Instagramming oh, Chris wow. Mann because she has an opera background. Oh, right, She's right, She's been right. seeing, in the, she was in the opera at eight years old. I don't think old. I was at that event, but okay. I remember hearing that they were together. Right. So for people who don't know, Chris Mann was on The Voice. Yeah. And so you linked up with him. So we now, had done tours together before he was on The Voice. Yeah. And so then He's when got, he got like, out, uh, is it opera? What it's opera, but he can do a lot of stuff. Right. On The Voice, he was opera. And he went very far was on The Voice, yeah, right? Yeah, like fourth. Or he yeah. was Christina Aguilera's top. He was Christine Aguilera. So he, in, right. he's one of the t- top final contestant. Four. Right. So um, just, ju- I don't know. I'm lucky. I mean, I'm very thankful to have the work. I'm very, very lucky. And luckily, the people are very flexible, you know. Right. Are very you're, flexible about your, your phone is blowing up. I'm getting texts. I know. Got to come over. They need you across check. the street. Yeah. I don't want to affect the show. So no, it's okay. Um, we're going to, I'm going to be there tonight. Awesome. I think doors open at 8. Right. You and Chris go on. Let's at, leave at our 10. clothes on. No screaming. Well, I get. I'm going to get very into the show. Right. Big fan. Well, I'm a big fan. Get sort of into it. Don't yeah. get very. How into long it. are you guys playing for? What's the set? Do you uh, know? Like seven, eight hours. Really? Yeah, it's seven, a eight big, hours. No, <laughs> no, I know. Seven, eight songs. No, it should be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like ten tunes. It'll okay. be like forty-five minutes to an hour. I'm It'll excited be a good to set. check it out. Yeah, it's all stuff like from his EP and stuff we've been working out on the road and. Cool. So yeah, maybe a little Rihanna umbrella. No, not no. tonight. You got to do that yeah. again. You got to bring that back uh, when, you, when you're performing. Uh, maybe. Maybe at a teammate concert. Maybe. So tell everyone one more time how to find out about teammate and how to find out about you. Teammateband.com. Uh, teammate ba- teammate band is like facebook.com slash teammate band, youtube.com slash teammate band, anything slash teammate band. You teammate band. Yes. I want to make sure people get that. Thanks. I really okay, appreciate cool. it. Cool. And I'm going to come check it out. I can't wait in to November. check out more of your podcast. I know, right? Yeah. Mutually beneficial. Um, so I'm going to let you go across the street to Roxy. And just to close out the show, I have to say that uh, this podcast on the list on hahajk.com has been brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Tacos. And if you guys go to wahoos.com, you can enter to receive your very own Wahoo's catered event for you and your friends with hosts of the HaJK Podcast Network at a Hollywood venue. Um, So that's it. i got to close the show so these guys can get across the street to the Roxy and put on their own show tonight. And I'm looking forward to it, and I'll talk about it on the next episode of On The List. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Scott, for being here. I'll see you in a couple hours. Yep. Good luck tonight. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of On The List on HaHaJK.com. Away for Hollywood Away for Hollywood So misunderstood So keep fighting on When all hope is gone You live and you learn The tables will turn So shine like you should
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.